0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Podcast. This episode is a special re-upload as part of Stress Awareness Day, and joined with Ben is Amy Forrest and Andy Murray. They share their experience with stress and anxiety while studying. There is a link in the show notes if you'd like to join our live sessions every Wednesday, as well as some helpful resources around the topics of stress. So this evening's podcast, we thought it would be a good idea to devote one of the podcast episodes to talk around stress and stress awareness. It's something that I know, Amy, at First Intuition, you've been very proactive in getting people to think about. We are great believers in talking about mental health, about our own wellness, and something we've really tried to empower our colleagues, our students to do. Uh, And I've noticed more of this, actually, since the turn of this year. So, Amy, what's your initial thoughts on encouraging people to share their stories to talk about things that they've got going on in their lives
1: yeah i think this is a really important topic actually you're right this is something we've focused more strongly on within first intuition over the last six to 12 months and so on is this idea of well-being and making sure we look after ourselves and i often think the first port of call in looking after yourself is being able to talk to somebody and being uh you know being okay to ask for help and to share your feelings and so on and so forth. And Ben, I know that's something that you and I, in you know, between me and you have been doing more over the last six months, going, oh, this has been a bit difficult or this has been a bit stressful. And actually it's been really great to hear about other people's experiences and, you know, feel like we're kind of in it together, I suppose. And so I was really interested Excited is the wrong word, but looking forward to the podcast this evening, especially having Andy on with us as well to talk through, um, you know, stress and particularly stress with exams and so on and so forth. Um, Yeah, first port of call, I think talking to people is so important. Something we've done at First Intuition actually is really try and open up from the kind of senior level as well and have uh, some of our senior leaders talk to us about stress and anxiety and mental health issues which I just think helps start a conversation.
0: Definitely so so that sounds like the right moment to introduce our guest Andy formally so Andy Murray good evening welcome to the first intuition podcast.
2: Hi, Ben. Hi, everyone. Thank you.
0: Thanks. Great to be here. When I knew this evening's theme was going to be stress and stress awareness, I was having a look online and stumbled across a really nice and well-written article on the AAT's website, AAT Comment. And in fact, I'm going to put a link into it for the, the, the live students this evening. And I'm sure Barbarella or one of my colleagues will put this link in the show notes to the podcast as well. So you can go and check it out. But I found an article, Andy, that that you had written in conjunction with the AAT about your experiences with with stress and anxiety when you were studying. Now, we'll we'll get onto that in a minute. But in time-honoured tradition, and and Dave would be proud of me here, before we get into the theme, we like just to get a bit of a backstory of our guests on the podcast. Dave will always talk about this being the, the first part of your superhero movie if you imagine a marvel superhero movie the first part of it is all around the backstory of how they got to where they got to and, and got their superpowers so so Andy what what's your backstory how did you get into accounting and what sort of things have you done since you have been in in our world of finance
2: yeah sure so uh I kind of stumbled in uh to accounts, actually. Um, I was working in an office role within the hospitality sector, um, a hotel actually, and uh, mainly sales and events and the financial controller had me doing a few um, admin accounts tasks and uh, I, I was really bad at maths actually at school um, but I really enjoyed the tasks that I was given to do. So I um, plotted on doing that for six or so months and um, he was AAT qualified. He said to me well you know have you heard of the AAT qualification? I said, no. So he said, well, have a look into it. And, you know, if you like what you're doing, why don't you look at potentially doing that as a, you know, as as a career? So um, I guess you can say I didn't look back. I jumped at it, looked at AAT, enrolled, started and um, yeah, and carried on that way, really. So um, that was about eight years ago. So, uh, and then then it was time to move into a predominantly accounts role um because i was only probably doing about 30 percent accounts within my sales and events office role so um yeah really it was uh, the start of it just uh, just under eight years ago so uh yeah found my first accounts role and um uh, job led to job in terms of a promotion passing of aat different levels and um yeah it's been very rewarding so far and, and it continues so you're, you're now fully AAT qualified. You are an MAAT, aren't you? Proudly so. Very proudly so. Yes, uh, completed AAT in March last year, actually, and um, straight away applied for my MAAT letters. So proudly wear them behind my name on social media, professional platforms and emails in the workplace. You, you've earned the letters, so you need to display them. So, uh, yeah, very proud to be an AAT member and... Uh, for other professionals to recognise my, my abilities, rightly
0: proud and, uh, and a big achievement. And I'm sure you won't mind me saying, I, I believe you you funded your AAT studies yourself, didn't you? And you, you did it all through our distance learning team, not not attending the physical classes, but doing it through the the correspondence and the online videos.
2: Correct. Yeah. So I have um, always been with AAT, uh, sorry, Fi uh, for my AAT studies. Um, distance learning been fantastic. It's always been flexible for my work in uh, hours of full time, in an evenings and weekends. And um, yeah, it's just really worked with me, you know, f- for what I needed, really. So, yeah. Fantastic,
0: fantastic. Well, well, let's turn our attention to this evening's topic then. So stress, anxiety, awareness and and, and dealing with it. Amy, maybe you to, to, to start here. Let's just think about these terms, because I think they're terms increasingly we... We maybe float around a bit. We hear more and more, oh, I feel stressed or I feel anxious. As far as I'm concerned, and I did a bit of Googling, as, as I always do earlier, um, when I was looking up the, the, the definitions, and there's a few different definitions out there, stress seemed to be more of a, a short term response to a threat. We, we become stressed when something in our lives causes us to, to feel stressed. When I then started reading about anxiety, and those two very often do go hand in hand, anxiety was was a bit more of a a longer term issue that that can kind of outlast the immediate event of the the stressful circumstance. what, what What's your understanding of stress and anxiety, Amy, and maybe how have you seen it in in your own life or in the lives of our, our students and colleagues?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. These terms are often used, aren't they? Particularly stress, I would say. The number of times we hear go, oh, I'm really stressed about something or I'm feeling particularly stressed about this aspect of work and so on and so forth. They are used a lot. Um, and certainly I'm no medical professional by any stretch, but, you know, we do hear it and... Uh, I think sometimes it's important to dig down into what that means. Now, stress and anxiety for me, if, if you've become overly stressed and overly anxious, that can be damaging. And, you know, and, I, I, and I think it's really important that we talk about that. And I'm sure a lot of what we talk about this evening will be focused on when it becomes too much, how to avoid that and how to you know, prepare yourself for that situation. But I also think it's worth thinking about the positives of stress sometimes. And actually, that short term periods of stress, short term periods of feeling under pressure can actually help us to achieve. So, myself, I am an ACCA accountant, and um, I know June and December, but last week of May, that last week of November, for the three and a half years of my life as I did my ACCA were some of the most stressful moments of my career, of my kind of adult life. Naturally so, and I'm, I'm glad it was stressful, it pushed me on to achieve, it pushed me to make sure I revised, it pushed me to make sure I did do all of the work I needed to, but I can't say that it sometimes it didn't get overly stressful. You know, I can't say that sometimes it didn't get a little overly stressed and overly anxious, but I do think it's needed. And I think the same is from a work perspective. I mean, Ben, you know, over the last year or so, it has been stressful, hasn't it, for, for everybody. And for us at First Intuition, there have been moments of extreme stress. So it was a... Uh, 13 months ago, now we said, Right, all classes have got to go online. And within one day, we had to switch everything from a classroom based setting to an online based setting, which caused a high amount of stress. But actually, I think about what we've achieved over the last year at First Intuition and all of the um, kind of um, uh, improvements that have been made, and new things like this podcast, like our free AAT evening revision sessions those things have come about because of um, us pushing ourselves entering into that stressful situation and something good has come out of it so I, I often think you know yes stress and anxiety we need to talk about negative effects but the positives are still there and I often think about something my husband says to me um, he can be quite wise every now and then and I'll say to him Oh, you know, I'm feeling really nervous about something. I'm worried about maybe this presentation I've got to do. I'm worried about this, this new course I've got to teach, which is really technical and quite challenging. And he will always say to me, good. I'm glad you're nervous. I'm glad you're worried about that because it shows that you care and it shows that you're putting in the effort and you've got the passion behind it. I think he's right in that. I don't tell him he's right, but he is. He is right about that one. So, yes, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing what Andy's got to say, probably more about the kind of negative aspects of it. But I think it's important to bear in mind there are some positives from pushing yourself, from having that stress, but it can't be maintained all the time. You cannot constantly be in that situation.
0: Exactly right, Amy. And I think that's a, a big first step for people to acknowledge we all suffer stress stress is a natural part of life and in the world that that we operate in with professional careers with very hard exams clearly that's going to make our lives more stressful even even than than the, the the average life isn't it so so stress i'm afraid comes with the territory but you're exactly right i'd, I'd like to listen to andy now andy what, what sorts of, of things do you spot in yourself or have you learned to spot in yourself over the years that maybe indicate you are becoming stressed? Because I think it can show or, or be signs in different people in different ways.
2: Yeah, very much so on that, Ben. Um, I think people do have different signs um, and different triggers of what when when they notice they're getting stressed with a situation or a certain period of time at work or um, like Amy said an, a specific time for sitting in the exam, I would say for me it was very severe headaches, not migraines, but very severe headaches um, to the point of a dizzy feeling. Um, and I thought, well, it's just dehydration, it's just dehydration. You know, I haven't eaten or what, whatever. But I would say certainly the headaches, uh, stomach cramps. Um, the, the feeling of your stomach's just churning all the time you think am I hungry or you know what's going on um, and for me a big 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 point was sleep I didn't sleep <laughs> um, to the point where it might be broken sleep or an hour a night uh, which was broken as well so um, I know when them signs are coming uh, and I know my triggers what sets them off and then the signs happen and then now I have learned how to not stop them from happening, but how to manage them better. So it doesn't so it is stress and it doesn't lead to an episode of an anxiety attack, um, which, like you say, go hand in hand and then normally that, that, that's what happens. it leads to that.
0: Really interesting signs, and I think as we say, that the signs are different for everybody, but, but I can relate to some of those. I, I have disrupted sleep from time to time where I will just suddenly realize I am wide awake at two in the morning and I'm, I'm probably go against all of the, the guidance on this what I normally do is put my headphones on and listen to the radio or something and that keeps me awake and then I'm really tired the next morning I think we've all had nights like that haven't we. But again, it's spotting, is this becoming habitual? Is this, is this more than a one-off? Is it more than the, the night before your big presentation, Amy, where naturally you're going to be a bit on edge?
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I think that I think that's quite challenging to spot that, actually, isn't it? It takes a lot of um, knowing yourself and knowing how you react to things to know, is this a reaction that I'm happy with and it's to get me through this short-term event or is it something that actually I need to address and I need to do something about before it becomes more of an issue?
0: Exactly. And, and I think if you if you turn your back on those early warning signs, as you alluded to, Andy, what you're doing really is, is building up a, a melting pot to the point that something's gonna give. And she, she won't mind me relating back this. A few of you regular listeners will have heard my wife Ellie, who was on the podcast for the The ladies takeover week a a couple of episodes ago, but um she was amazingly stressed during her ACCA exams when she was studying to the point that I knew I knew something was wrong, and she actually halfway through an ACCA three hour exam just passed out completely. And the first I knew about that was getting a call to say Ellie's been taken in an ambulance, quite dramatic. An ambulance turned up at exam hall to cart her off, but. I'm, I'm really pleased that did happen in the end because that was what Ellie needed to say, I can't keep going like this. And we, we went and she, she got some help to deal with that anxiety before the exams and went back in and, and then completed her ACCA. But I think if, if you spoke to her, she would say, I shouldn't have let it get that far. I should have listened. I should have spotted the signs and I should have done something about it well before. So So Andy, over to you again. Now you are familiar with the signs. What sort of actions do you take or have you taken uh, over the years when you feel you are becoming stressed to the point of becoming anxious?
2: Yeah, I would say probably from one of the first points that both yourself and Amy touched on was talking. I I realised that I needed a support network. OK, got a great family, got a great group of friends, but you kind of need to build a bond that you're even closer and you need to talk to them about, what you're currently going through you know this is a stressful time because I've got an exam going on and it's amazing what words that occur- what words of encouragement can do for you um, to really help you think a bit more positively about a situation that is a little bit negative for you um, so I'd say definitely building that support group peer-to-peer uh, whether that's colleagues family friends etc partners um, also don't forget that your time should also be taken up by hobbies so no one physically can revise and study all day it's not possible you, you can say i need to do an eight hour day you might need to do an eight hour day but you probably can't do an eight hour day because you're not going to take it in so i would say definitely like bite-sized chunks regular breaks i found walking outdoor sports running walking some women um you know different events that can really relieve stress and is proven scientifically to help us um, with our well-being um, even down to, you know, you've done really well today, you've done three hours throughout the day, so tonight I'm not doing anything, I'm gonna watch a movie or have a bath or just something so simple, it's so readily available, you haven't got to go out and spend anything, um, you know, you've got it at your at your feet so to speak and anything really just to to help you bring them signs and triggers under control to, to relax really.
1: No, I think that first point you've raised is is so important that talking to people and from a very practical exam perspective, and I don't know about everybody else, but one of the things that used to really stress me doing my exams was I would look at something And I would have no clue what it was about. I I could remember the tutor talking to me about it. And I could remember having sat in that class and the tutor saying, this is what this means. And this is how you do it. And I came to revise and I I didn't have a clue. And it happens. There was one particular exam at ACCA that I found very challenging because the questions were so difficult. the, The way they were asked. Now, the number of times that I managed to sort something out, I'd stress about it for four hours one evening, get myself really worked up about it. I'd talk to a tutor and they'd have sorted it within 10 minutes. And the number of times that happens with us at first intuition as well, the student will say, oh, I was really stressed about that. And you've just explained it to me in a couple of minutes. Really, I, I you know, on a very practical perspective, take advantage of talking to your tutors at first intuition. You know, if there's something stressing you technically, They can sort it. And that, for me, was always a big source of stress. I don't know about you, Ben, but for me, that was a big
0: one. 100%. And and I would encourage that conversation to happen as soon as you come across the problem. I think the temptation is to kind of say, oh, I'll probably get it tomorrow. Or if I look at it next week, it will magically just make sense. And we all know it's not like that, is it? in fact, you need to go and reach out for that help almost immediately to then relieve that stress because it will relieve it as soon as you've spoken to someone about it, even if they haven't got the answer you wanted, actually just the process of letting someone else take some of that burden away is very, very therapeutic. And also you get the double benefit of, the great tutors at First Intuition, I'm sure, will be able to re-explain it or find another way to give you an example that hopefully will then make it more understandable for you. So you've then got that double effect of, you've relieved the stress of, I can't do this, but you get the positive effect of then being able to do it with the, the, the support and, and the guidance. Um, a brilliant point, Amy. When I caught up with Andy and invited him to come and be the guest on the podcast this evening, I said, what I'd really like to do is to think about if you were speaking to yourself a few years ago, when you were struggling, when you were really anxious about the exams that you were sitting, what would be your top five tips that you would share with your younger self? Because I think that will be an interesting top five for everybody listening to this podcast. So... Shall we go through them one by one, Andy, and start with your first tip? If, if you were speaking to Andy Murray five, six years ago, when you were really stressed and anxious about your exams, what, what would you say?
2: My first tip would be don't put extra pressure on yourself in thinking you need to achieve a high percentage pass mark. Um, there's already a high level of pressure because you sit in the exam, so... Why set yourself a high expectation of getting the high mark? I've always been told, it was drilled into me by my tutors, that the examiner is not looking for you to perfect that exam. They're looking for you to pass it, and they want you to show competency, not perfection.
0: I think that's a a brilliant point. I, I was lucky enough to go to a lunchtime session that we ran This week, And I think, Amy, you were probably on the same session, one of our our leadership lunchtime sessions. And I I love listening to other people talk because there's always something I think I can take that away. And there was one thing I took away from a session this week where one of the speakers said, always remember your best will be good enough. And I wrote it down on the piece of paper as she said it. And it stayed with me all through the day. It was still there today when I had another catch up. Regular listeners will know our our boss, Gareth, and I had a catch up with him. And I said, Gareth, it was a great session this week. And this is what I wrote down. Your best will be good enough. Amy, what's your thoughts on that? Because I know as as tutors, we want to encourage students to do their best and we want to push them because that's part of our job. And we, we, not being funny, we, we like them to get good marks, but I think Andy has put a great point there. Don't do that by putting extra pressure on yourself.
1: I think what a great comment actually don't put more extra pressure on yourself you know do the best that you can do and that's so true and you know extra pressure that I've seen people put themselves under in exams is achieving a high percentage now great we want you know as Ben rightly said we want students to achieve high percentages if they can you know, we want students to essentially do, though, the best that they can. And if that's passing the exam, fantastic. That's that's what that person is achieving. If that's going off and achieving a high percentage, great. That's what that person is achieving. You know, do the best you can do. Um, exactly like you're saying. Um, another source of added pressure that I sometimes see students put themselves under or stress is um competing with colleagues. You know, it, it doesn't matter, you know, whether in what percentage you get compared to someone else. It really doesn't matter if you pass the exam. That's great. Um, in 10 years time, no one's going to ask you. "Oh, But when you completed your AAT, did you do that quicker than your colleague? That's not going to happen. They're going to ask you if you're AAT qualified. That's another source of stress. You know, that's putting another layer of pressure on. You've got to go in and do that exam and pass it. Don't add on to that a fictional percentage that you've said that you've got to get to do well. Don't add on to that competing with another colleague. Do do the best for you. So no, great tip, Andy, completely agree.
0: Let's hear your second one then, Andy. What's your second tip for reducing exam anxiety?
2: Yeah, second tip would be have a realistic and achievable study and revision plan. So first you need to ensure that you have a realistic study plan. If you set unachievable targets and say don't meet them by a certain date, you're actually gonna reduce your self-esteem. It's gonna knock your confidence, you're gonna become stressed and it's gonna lead to you becoming anxious before that exam. I would say, as I alluded to earlier, your study and revision plan should really be in bite-sized chunks because that's how we prove that most people learn is bite-sized chunks um obviously you need to adapt it to your own learning style which varies but i would say one big thing for me was remember your tutor or a fellow student studier can also help you formalize an achievable plan say if they've done that exam or lean on your tutor because they'll be able to i know personally for me they guided me in the right direction because uh You know, I was in such unrealistic targets and they I think they said to me, do you think you're going to achieve that? No. (laughs) Well, why set yourself that target? It's something we've definitely talked
0: about on the, the podcast before. Sorry, Amy.
1: No, no, sorry. I was going to say, I think it's a really good point and actually something that I think applies to exams, but also with work. I mean, how many times has your line manager said, when can you get this to me? And You say Tuesday. And in your head, you know, oh, I'm really going to have to push myself to get that to them for Tuesday. I wish I had said Thursday originally, and then you're late and it's stressful. So, great tip for, for um, exams and for work, I think, setting that realistic target. Sorry, Ben.
0: No, fine, Amy. Re- really good one there the, the, the mantra of under promise and overachieve. That, that, that rings true a lot. And, and I think that that can eliminate a lot of stress. Something I was going to say is look at other stuff that you've got going on in your lives as well. Uh, at points, our, our lives are all peaks and troughs, aren't they? And we've, we've got exams, but we've also got our own social lives. We've got our own family commitments. We've got our own work commitments that, that come as a bit of, of spikes here and there. I know not every student gets the choice of when they sit their exam, but you can hopefully try and put together a more manageable plan to stop things clashing and culminating. I think back and one of the worst things me and Ellie, my wife, did when we were both studying. And I wonder if a lot of students do this, actually. We thought, right, ACCA exam week is first week in June. Let's book a week's holiday and go abroad as soon as the exams are finished. And I can tell you now, that was the worst decision we ever made because the week before your exam, you're stressed. But the week before the exam, you also are not really in the right frame of mind to be packing for a holiday, to be sorting out your sun cream, to be checking, is my passport ready to go? And we both did the exams, and then we, we flew out and we were exhausted. We were stressed because the exams were stressful and we had the worst week in Lanzarote I think we have ever had because we just both weren't in the mood for a holiday. We'd not really gone into it excited as you should be when you are going abroad on a nice holiday. So a, a tip there, just think about the timing of things. I know some things are completely out of our, out of our control and, and that's fine. You just have to accept that. But Stack the cards in your favour a bit by kind of planning your study around other stuff. If you've got, let's hope, and I know a few of people listening, maybe you've got a wedding coming up this year. Well, think about how that's going to interplay with your your study plans and don't expect to not feel stressed before an exam and a wedding and a holiday or whatever else is going on. Andy, you were talking about it being year end at work. Try and think about how these things culminate, and almost spot the pressure points before they become too much. Andy, we're on to number
2: three. What's your third tip for people? Yeah, number three is don't cram in lots of revision the night before an exam. I'm not saying you don't need to probably do any revision. I think some light revision is always good to keep things ticking over. But if you're struggling within your revision, picking up a certain area in that unit that you're studying, it's best just to put it to one side. Utilise the remaining time that you've got and concentrate on revising what you do know, because the final evening before the exam is going to be stressful enough. Um, if you're not going to pick something up and you've been trying to, it's just going to make you feel anxious towards the exam the next day it's really not a good time to start having any form of self-doubt because I've done it and it knocks your confidence. Um, The last part of that I would say is, don't worry because you actually probably know more than you think you do because you've been revising and studying for so many weeks. So I would say probably have faith in yourself that you probably do know more than you think. Yeah, uh,
1: I, I completely agree. When I did my exams, I did not do any revision the day before. I I completely shut my books. I did not open a single course pack the day before. Now that took a lot of preparation. You know, I had to do a lot of revision to get to that stage. But the day before wasn't about preparing like my knowledge for the exam. It's about preparing me for the exam. It's about making sure I'd had a good sleep. I'd always have a nice bath the night before, you know, and properly get ready for the next day. And actually, I carried that forward. So me and my colleague, we did exams at the same time when I did mine, and I refused to travel to the exam together because one of the most stressful things is just before the exam, when someone goes, oh, what do you think about this topic? What do you think about that? And it can really panic you because, oh, I don't know anything about that. Or I haven't revised that topic so well. Uh, that, it means nothing. It means nothing that half an hour before the exam. So I had my ritual the day before and the morning of on my own, not talking to anyone, not looking in a book. Um, ben, I imagine that must be slightly more difficult, living with the person, you know, living with Ellie, who's also doing her ACCA at the same time.
0: We, we, used, to, we used to travel in together occasionally I I think towards the end we probably even didn't do that because of the reasons you're talking about Amy and I I did used to probably cause Ellie more stress than she caused me I I was usually a bit more relaxed than she was before the exams and I, I think she she didn't like that from the perspective that she was clearly very very nervous And it wasn't it wasn't good for her to be around anybody sitting those exams. I completely get that, Amy, and think you you need to go through your own preparations on the day of the exam. It is just you. So you need to come to terms with it for yourself and not not hear what other people think might come up or or what what you should and shouldn't know. Uh, a, A great point, Andy. And I think the taking the stress away the night before the exam, Amy, you hit the nail on the head. That takes a lot of work in the run up doesn't it? You can take the stress away from the night before the exam if you can go to sleep feeling confident that you have prepared yourself as well as you could do. Your best is good enough, but if you don't think you've given your best, you're going to be stressed the night before the exam, and you can save yourself that pain by working out your study planner, by doing it in the small chunks, as Andy's already talked about. Brilliant, guys. Okay, number four, Andy.
2: Yeah, number four is remember you can do your exam again. So don't worry if you don't pass the first time. It doesn't mean you've failed. It means you just weren't quite ready yet. Don't let it add extra pressure in when you reattempt attempt to sit that exam. So for me personally this is where anxiety built up for me is then trying to reattempt to do the exam again because i think well i failed it so i'm going to fail it again it has the like the domino knock-on effect there isn't a, a limit to the number of times you can sit any exam you can sit them as many times as you want yes it's an inconvenience but it's not a fail so i would say take your time if you do fail it's just that you're not just yet, you're not ready yet to, to pass but review the examiner's feedback that you're given. Take your time, build a revision plan up again, and focus on the areas that you've not done great in, but then don't forget the areas that you've done great in because you don't want to do the opposite and go backwards. So I'd say, you know, you you can do it as many times as you want. And and, and like Amy said, don't compare yourself to others. It, It really doesn't matter how long it takes you. One exam took me six times, but I passed it. And I think it's just that dedication to think, I will pass it, it's just
1: when. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting actually. That what do you do when you fail an exam? You know, you can you can get very upset about it and and rightly so, you know, that that probably that one day after you hear that you failed an exam, you should be focusing on how do you feel about it and getting getting that sorted. You know, don't start going off and coming up with new plans and so on and so forth. How do you feel about it? work through that because it is it is upsetting you know if you've put a lot of work in and you don't pass yet then it can be quite upsetting so work through that but then how do you pick yourself up and what do you do next and I think we we hear we help a lot of students with that don't we, Ben we hear quite a lot from students about okay so what now then I think that's important um and yeah I agree with you you know you can you can do them again and if if it was um if we were all supposed to pass first time well it's not a very challenging exam is it it's not, it wouldn't be an exam um so fails do happen that is life that is and it is particularly accounting exams which are difficult um but yeah how do you pick yourself up and have another go
0: it, it it's a natural part of the the world we're in i'm afraid they're tough exams people fail them We've talked about this in previous episodes of the podcast, I failed AAT exams, my wife will remind me, I've given her a bit of a hard time tonight, but she, she'll remind me she didn't fail any of hers, um, she did have the one that was voided when she passed out, but um, I, I failed exams, and I had to go through the emotions of that, that failure, Again, that's stressful. That's another form of stress in your life. And, and all I would say in that point is you need to be honest. You need to speak to people. If, if you, your employer's funding you or has given you time off, I mean, you need to go and have that, that conversation. And I have I have I'm going to say never. I don't think I can ever remember a student that didn't get benefit from sharing that exam fail with, with somebody else because I think that's a way you can learn. It gets it off your chest. Again, it's this openness that we need. If you've bottled it all up inside, that's a a very dangerous place to be. My my final thought on that one is, and this this can sometimes come across as sounding like I'm being flippant or or not empathising with the students that are sitting exams in the foreseeable future, but at the time, they feel like the most Important thing in the world, don't they? And probably quite rightly so, because that's what you, you you focus in a lot of your time, a lot of your energy, and a lot of your money on potentially studying it. But when you genuinely take stock and look back over your career and your life, I look back now and I, I don't even think about that exam I failed. I, I use it to, to to tell some stories and try and share some some real life stuff with people. But it it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Um, And that's a balance, isn't it? That's a balance. It's not me flippantly saying go into your exam with a completely carefree attitude and don't take it seriously because you need to, you need to work hard, you need to focus. But I honestly want everybody to understand this is not the worst thing in the world. If you fail an exam, there is always a way around it. And these six attempts is testament to perseverance and you will get there.
1: My husband says something on this. He's famous tonight. He has a lot of good sayings, but my husband's a cricketer. And sometimes when someone plays a bad shot and we say, oh, they should have got out, he goes, well, look in the book then. What does the book say? Does the book say you got one run or does it say I nicked it behind and shouldn't have got out, but didn't, but managed to scrape through one run? Now, what does Andy's AAT certificate say? does it say AAT but this exam was really hard and you know he found this one more challenging or does it say Andy's a member of the AAT you know and that's what it says um and that's the that's what we're going for getting that qualification
0: fantastic Andy we're up to number five what's your fifth
2: and final tip
0: for our listeners
2: yeah fifth and final tip is and relax which can come across as quite patronizing sometimes if a family member, a colleague, a tutor even says that to you. But it's a big thing and it takes time to relax. But I would say, going back to an earlier point as well about revision the night before, I would say certainly remember the night before an exam. You do need to have some form of relaxation because you need to calm down, you you know, you sleep, you need to be have your brain functioning ready for the next day, which which Amy touched on. I would say. Okay, you're doing a bit of revision, but do something that you enjoy. So go for a walk, maybe read a book, watch a TV show, listen to some music you enjoy, have a bath. Something that can bring you to wind down and relax, switch off from studying. Probably not completely, it's in the back of your mind because you've got the exam tomorrow, but just something where you can have an hour, two hours, just to yourself, just to kind of maybe take in the information that you've just been revising as well. Um, And yeah, The the final bit on that really is the good night's sleep. Um, You need to relax to have that good night's sleep. You need your brain functioning the next day. You need to be on form um, to to give it your best shot.
0: I think that that relaxation piece has been a big challenge for everybody in, in recent times because lots of the avenues or areas people would say, that's what I do in my free time to relax have been closed off to us, haven't they? If, if you relax through playing sport or if you relax through socialising with friends in, in a coffee shop or a bar or a restaurant or even relaxing having your hair done. If, if you can't do that because of restrictions, that's a, another reason why everybody's probably been a bit more stressed and a bit more anxious than we would have otherwise been. So you need to find out things that relax you Try and be creative there. They don't have to to cost a lot of money. Yeah, I'd I'd love to go out every night of the week, but but that's not going to be possible for time or financial commitments. But but try and think about some some easy ones. I've I've got visions of everyone going off to have a bath after we finish tonight's episode because we've mentioned it four times I think this evening already. Um, if if that works for you, great. Hey, Amy, what what's your thoughts on relaxation? How how do you relax or unwind or get your mind off something?
1: Yeah, uh, for me, I have to come back to a good point you raised earlier, Ben, which was preparation, do that revision plan, make sure that you can actually build in that time. For me, personally, for me to be able to relax, I need to know that I've done everything that I should and could have done. Now, that takes a lot of prep that took, you know, several exams to get into the swing of this is how I need to structure my revision. This is how I need to do it. Um, but for me relaxing yes having a bath going out for a walk getting some fresh air spending time not at a desk or not at a computer one big thing for me and this is something I've had to adopt over the last year from working from home I don't like to see my work laptop if I'm not working and I don't like to see my um, exam packs if i'm not revising because if i can see it i think oh, i could just do a little bit more oh, i could just i'll just log on and do this other bit i'll just do another another question if you have planned well you prepped put that aside and focus well focus on relaxing i suppose
0: fantastic tips amy so we're getting near the end of this evening's episode Andy I was just going to ask you but before we do our final summing up thoughts if you feel your experiences of the stress and anxiety of exams have actually helped you in wider parts of your career or your own personal life do you think you've actually now reflecting back got some benefits out of the the stress and anxiety you've been through doing the exams?
2: Yeah very much so I mean there was a point I thought yeah am I Am I proud that I've gone through them anxious and stressful stages? And uh, yeah, I would say I am because um, not just with the exams, but I also had them signs and triggers in a workplace as well. So it really, um, uh, in my professional capacity at work, it really made me spot when at month end, at year end, like now, uh, I'm going through with work and I'm thinking, well, you know, just watch your triggers, watch your signs and, and, and you know, learn how to adapt. But also from a from a, from a personal point of view, I think it makes you reflect on um, your personal life as well, apart from studying and and work on getting that work life balance, looking after your well being, doing things for you. Um, but yeah, it certainly taught me a lot, and um, yeah, I can look back and say that I I, I am glad that I I, I had then um, scenarios happen to me throughout my studies because um, you know looking to continue studying even further and. Um, Now I've been through it, I'll know that this could happen. This is what I could expect. And this is how I tackle it. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thank
0: you. Amy, have you got any final thoughts for this evening for, for people to end on, take away?
1: I think I'd circle right back to the beginning and say, talk to somebody. I think it has to be for me. That's such a such a big part of looking after yourself and have uh, maintaining a kind of healthy balance with your stress and anxiety. For me, that's been one of my big takeaways. Um, And we had a really great discussion on the podcast last week, didn't we, Ben, about who to talk to? And lots of people saying, oh, I like to talk to my boss, or my manager, or a friend, or a colleague, or whatever. And, and just um, being able to have those discussions, you know, even even this this evening, I've really enjoyed this discussion. I've really enjoyed hearing more from Andy about um, you know, tips and tricks he's got. So definitely talk to somebody if um, you know it's becoming too much. And the it's amazing how much that can help.
0: I'll add to that and and say great to talk to anybody, but also know when you need to go and get some medical help. We are not qualified medical practitioners, but I would encourage anybody, if you genuinely feel the stress and anxiety is becoming too much, book an appointment with your GP, go and talk to them. We will put in the show notes a few signposts that, that we use for students to signpost them to go and get external help. And I would encourage you to do that sooner rather than later. I, I think it's something that takes takes courage, doesn't it, to, to take something like that externally. But genuinely it it will it will help. And those people are qualified and they have got lots of support available that you can access and tap into and actually give you some really good mechanisms to cope to to, to, to manage your way through what, what is at the time a really horrible situation if stress and anxiety take over your lives. Andy, I'm coming back to you for your, your final, final thought for this evening.
2: Yeah, so uh, one final thought, the bonus tip I'd say, is uh, if everything gets a bit too much, which it often can, both in our professional and personal lives, just take a step back and really remember why you started studying your qualification you're doing it to better yourself maybe to better your lifestyle your career prospects your family lifestyle for yourself so I would say just take that step back and again a point that we touched on earlier was there is no rush to pass it's not a competition but if you really are committed to passing whichever accountancy qualification you're studying for pass it when the time's right when it's your time which i believe i did with my aat um you put in the hours put in the time if it's if it's what you really want to do you will pass it
0: fantastic thank you so much i can see some lovely comments in the chat box from the, the the live audience this evening um thank you for those and and i hope You've all taken something away that you can go and try and put in place or think about. Andy, thank you so much for joining us as our special guest. It's been great to catch up with you. I hope we can have you back on the podcast for a future episode because you've you've got some quite interesting career stories to share. I am sure. Amy, thank you for co-hosting with me again this week. It's been great for me and you to have a, a catch up and a chat on air I will say thank you, everybody, for listening. Continue to listen, to subscribe, to share links to the podcast. We really appreciate all of your comments. If you can go and leave us some feedback from where you download the podcast, that's great. Have a fantastic week, everybody. And we will see you on the next
1: edition of the FI podcast. Thank you all very much. Good evening.